because that's how <laughs> that's how mm-hmm. creepy the dark web is. I'm not even trying to mess with that mess. But yeah. somehow this woman found a hitman, paid him in Bitcoin mm-hmm. to uh, kill her ex-husband, who she'd been separated from for I think a good couple of years. So it's like you're hiring somebody to utilize their quote-unquote special set of skills in order to terminate the person that you have no connection with anymore. Right, right, right. Which is sad, man. Yeah. There should never be a a need for that type of retaliation in general. Uh, And I I speak from personal experience because ironically enough, that's why I purchased that Mossberg 88. Okay, okay. You know, it not saying it got that crazy, but it started the tension started feeling like it could get to that point. So I definitely wanted to make sure that I could protect myself because um the way my house is set up, I've got the bedroom I stay at, which has like those these two little uh not not French doors, but I just got like double doors that open up and lead into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And once I open those double doors, the first thing I see is two long windows. So automatically, if somebody wants to break into my house, they can get through those two long windows and go straight to my master bedroom. And then the um, the front door, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a front door, but it's not exactly the most strongest front door out there because mm-hmm. there's two doors there as well. And those doors, um, they lock but the one on the on the right, the only thing that's keeping it in place is uh, I think they're metal, but nonetheless, there's two holes drilled into the um, the impact plate of the door or the door sill, if you will. Uh, there's a, ho- uh, a hole on the bottom and a hole on the top. And then there's two metal rods that push into those through the door. Mm-hmm. So somebody wants to get in, all they got to do is just impact that door hard enough and boom doesn't matter about the lock or not that that door will open i guarantee but what they got to do deal with is once once they get in (laughs) yeah exactly at the time it was like i got my katana they can deal with that now it's (laughs) (laughs) now it's yeah i got well at the time now i've got what six seven friends you can talk to some of them deal with birds, some of them deal with deer, but a majority of them are going to deal with deer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I've up since then I've upgraded from that Mossberg and I've gotten a, I got a Keltec KSG which I put many shells in it. So now it's like I've upgraded from 7 friends to 22 friends. There you go. Plus 20 up to 23 if he's if my friends hanging out in the house already, you know, mm-hmm. already ready to party so to speak exactly so I, I that's how serious i take my self-protection and self-preservation so <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's what i'm talking about well you know self-preservation is a good thing especially nowadays right especially and it, and don't get me wrong just because I, I have a high capacity whenever it comes to um at least utilizing that ksg doesn't mean that I'm going to go on this whole Call of Duty killing spree in the house because right, right. Uh, another thing people need to realize is castle doctrine and how far it can go. Uh, and plus, I, I guess it may depend on the state. I don't know. But say, for example, in Georgia, 
if somebody were to break into the house right now, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to go uh, and and stalk them in the house and try and take them out like that. No, I would probably have to wait. And if they end up in the room that I'm in, it's fair game. Mm -hmm. uh, there, was, there was actually a situation that happened recently in the news where this woman ended up killing I don't know if it was somebody that broke I think it was somebody that broke into her house but nonetheless she killed this person out of quote unquote self defense initially the biggest problem was the fact that she killed this person on the sidewalk they were no longer in her house they were in the sidewalk and she kept um, she released round after round into this person didn't call the police just walked right back into her house so mm. that goes castle doctrine is pretty much outside outside and gone you know because the minute that you you are dealing with somebody outside in your front yard yeah it kind of becomes public property so now yeah. you're not protecting your castle if anything if you won't take it back to medieval times you're you've already crossed the bridge past the moat Exactly. You're you're on the battlefield now, where everybody is is open to it. So, and castle doctrine also is actually only in the living area of your property. So right. that that means that even if somebody's breaking into your garage or back patio, that still ain't the living area. Is right. I tell all my students, living areas where you see vents at. I mean, it makes sense. And I'll be straight up honest with you, man. I hope somebody does steal my car at this point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what we got insurance for. Right. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. If somebody steals my car, I would chase after them to help push that car. You know, like, oh, no, hang on. Let me help you. Make sure it starts up. All right. Is it rolling yet? Cool. Oh, no, my car is stolen. That's how. Pr that's pretty much how I would be acting right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey, I don't blame you though. Mm. Give me a new vehicle at this point. I mean, it's... <laughs> but but you're absolutely right. I mean, living area, you know, especially if you if you you know as as the main um, sentence goes, if you fear for your life or you feel like your life is threatened. If somebody opens up my front door and I never invited them in, yeah, I'm definitely gonna feel like my life is threatened. Yeah, you shouldn't be there in the first place. Also, Castle, Castle Doctrine um, uh, in Florida. I'm not. I'm not sure about Georgia, but in Florida, uh, it goes to your car as well. Your car is uh, is an extension of your home. And um, but you know, a couple of things that people have to be wary of is this. If you got like a ex-wife or a baby mama or uh, or ex-husband or baby daddy and his name is on the lease or he's on the um, the deed or the mortgage, Castle Doctrine doesn't go with. Or if he exactly. he's or he's a co-signer of that car, Castle Doctrine doesn't um, doesn't um, pertain to that. You can't shoot nobody that legally owns something. Uh, you would only be able to uh, shoot somebody that had no business being there. And when I say no business, no ownership or anything in the property. So a lot of people got to understand that that too as well. I mean, that makes sense. You know, they got they got stake in the property. Um, yeah. 
Now I do know, and I'm not a lawyer, but I do know that there is certain things like uh, abandonment of the marital home, right? Mm -hmm. And I think at least in Georgia, uh, if like, let's say your, your estranged wife or your separated wife who's mm -hmm. been gone for a whole year, as long as there's been no uh, sexual relations between you and that person, and that person hasn't set foot into that property for a whole entire year, mm -hmm. I think technically that counts as uh, abandonment of the relationship, which means that I think legally, don't quote me on it, but legally, uh, they should not be able to enter the domicile where you stay at. Well, now they gotta be able to, you got to be able to prove all that to that. True. This is true. Um, but I mean, in all, in all honesty, though, like if they if they have been gone for the longest time, uh, the first thing you should do, especially if they're trying to get back into the house, is contact the police. You know, you, you can't just become a vigilante and take the law into your own hands. Like you've been gone for a whole year, mofo. You ain't getting in this house. Pl plow. I mean, that's not how. <laughs> that's not the best nah, option. Nah, you, you still better think about that, boy. If you got, like, for me, it's just me and my property, and nobody. Hey, but you got if you got that property tied with somebody, you better think long and hard before you do uh, before you shoot somebody. Right. Because even if, even if they have been out of that house for a whole year, like you said, as long as their name is on that lease, yeah, that's where it gets sticky. Yep. <laughs> and you will be in jail quick. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of um, the wrong mindset as far as firearms go, uh, what would you say to men that think fire, uh, firearm ownership is the only way to protect themselves or to protect a woman? Well, I mean, firearms is just one way. I mean, you definitely want to, um, and I would say firearm is the easiest way to protect yourself. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to go out there and um, go and have hand-to-hand -hand combat so but you but you need those skills as well you know i mean what if you miss or what if uh you run out of book ammo okay now it's just you and that other person hand-to-hand -hand combat you want to at least get some type of hand-to-hand -hand combat you want to have maybe even a a, a non um uh, uh lethal such as maybe a baton or um, stun gun or mace. I had one of my clients the other day say, hey, I don't think I can kill somebody. Uh, where's What's a good <laughs> place to get a stun gun from? I'm saying, hey, look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the, I told her the honest truth. I said, brother, um, stun guns, mace uh, sh should be used either in non-lethal um, uh, use or in a backup role. You do not want to have a stun gun as your primary and only weapon. No. Now you asking to get, you know, you 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 basically just saying, hey, you know what? I don't. I. I you you basically just saying, you know, hey, you know what? I'm I'm too afraid to shoot somebody, but which I doubt because if it comes to somebody's 
uh, if your mother or child, somebody got a knife up to their neck or blah, and they're a threat, man, you will you will shoot that person. And I don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely agree with that because when I first started carrying, um, I had a, I had two different batons and I've got a Columbia River knife and tool uh, scrub, which is, it's a, it's kind of like a, a knife. It's probably about like, it's not kind of like a knife. It is a knife, but it's uh, maybe about four or five inches long fixed blade. Because mm-hmm. I, I still do carry around a folder, but I think a fixed blade is a lot quicker. It's a lot easier to access, especially if it's something that you need to utilize as soon as possible. That's why yeah. I keep the, uh, I keep it near my belt buckle. So number mm-hmm. one, cause it's part of my EDC. Um, it blends in with my clothes. If I ever end up in a situation where I have to do hand to hand with somebody and they're threatening my life uh, or they're trying to go for my firearm or they have a firearm on me and somehow I've just gotten that close to them, then it's, it's a, a quicker action for me to reach out, uh, reach along my belt, pull that knife out and then just go to work if need be. Now, granted, I do need to study CQB or like um, hand-to-hand combat. Uh, and I highly recommend that if you are going to carry multiple different ways to protect yourself, you practice in those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, sometimes I think I might be a little overkill because at one point I was carrying around the, uh, the scrub knife, a baton, and, uh, and my firearm. So I shouldn't have to be like, okay, this is your second option. You need to stop. Okay, this is your third option. You need to stop. Okay, this is your 55th option. You really should stop now. Like if if it gets past at least option one or option two, you know, your lethal and your non-lethal, then at that point, yeah, the firearm is gonna have to be utilized. But, you know, like you said, just there's a lot more to it than just relying on your firearm because especially if you don't know how to de-escalate the situation or talk to somebody or be the bigger person and walk away. Cause there, there will be times where I don't care what somebody's calling you, you need to walk away. Cause at this point it's, uh, it's almost like the animal kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are, let's say you're the alligator in the water, right? And you got this wildebeest that comes up and it just starts, you know, hitting you with yeah. its hooves. Yep. At the end of the day, I know my power and I know what I'm bringing and it would just be easier for me to just swim away because just like a firearm, if you keep pushing me and I know that I've got the power to pull you underneath the water, I could do that at any time. Exactly. And it takes a bigger mind and a larger realization of responsibility to even carry a firearm. So if you think that a gun is the only way to protect yourself and protect your woman, cause you know, you got some dudes out there like, yeah, you're gonna be all right, we just got this. I got the, uh, what do they call it? I got the glizzy, you know, <laughs> whatever they call it. You know, what are you going to do whenever you, like you said, run out of bullets? or when you misfire or you hit an innocent bystander. 
hell, you could probably go to jail for shooting a cat by accident. Yes. So, but it, it's good to hear you say that because people need to realize that there's a lot more to carrying a firearm than just ready to pop off a couple of caps. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, with uh, private citizens, we have to do even more than what the police have to do because we have to think about whether or not we're breaking the law or not. Exactly. And, Definitely. Uh, exactly. And you got to know the law, you know, so that's the key thing there. So, but, you know, it's funny because um, there is a. <laughs> You, you know how you got OWB and IWB whenever it comes to carrying your firearm? Right. Which is in waistband and out uh, outside mm -hmm. waistband. Mm -hmm. To me, there's a third one. I call it CWB. And that's carrying while black. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I, you know, the weapons permit allows you to carry uh, blades past, uh, what is it, 12 inches. Right. So hypothetically speaking if i wanted to i could literally carry around my katana on my back or at my side and it'll be okay because mm -hmm. i've got my license to do so but mm -hmm. it's the cwb aspect that keeps me from carrying certain blades on me um like for example i've got a another uh columbia river knife that was um they combined themselves with ruger and they came out with this muzzle brake knife which is uh probably about five, six inches from from the hilt, or not mm -hmm. from the hilt, from the, um, what do you call that thing? Basically the, the actual knife itself is about five or six inches and it's a Bowie knife. Okay. So if I were to EDC that, I don't think I would be able to EDC it out in the open. If anything, I would probably try and EDC it concealed. Um, just like, most of my carrying is done uh, is is done concealed. Right. I've only done uh, OWB. <laughs> I've only done that one time and one time only. I was uh, I went to the family uh, was it the family dollar or the family family tree? You know, one of those little dollar tree. Not a dollar. It's the family mart or whatever the heck it's called. Family dollar. One. Okay. I think it was the family dollar. Yeah. Yeah. But I was kind of in the hood area, right? I was near this place called uh, Atlanta Fish uh, Fish Market, Fish Market and Grill. Well, basically, I was I was kind of in the hood area, right? Okay. So that was the first and only time I carried OWB, and I had my uh, TP9 SFX, which is a full size handgun. Right. <laughs> and I'll never forget. I walked into the store. There's a um, there's a lady sitting there that worked at the store. She's like, "Hello, good morning." God damn. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, the, um, <laughs> the the hangar's already big enough right but i had the um the black hawk uh omnivore with the uh, uh the light bearing uh the light bearing um holster right so it literally just looked like this big old black block with this <laughs> big old handle sticking out <laughs> and I guess as soon as she saw that, she's like, oh, God. Because, <laughs> you, <know>, <laughs> you know, this is an all, this is in a mainly black neighborhood. So yeah. I could only imagine what it would be like if I was carrying in a white neighborhood. Uh -huh. um, I don't think it's the same mentality as like um, another example. When I walked into my um, 
my place where I, I pick up my firearms if I order them online, right? My FFL. Okay. I walked in there before at the height of COVID when people were trying to purchase multiple firearms only to be turned uh, turned back because when they found out they had to wait about 10 or 13, maybe multiple weeks because they didn't have their carrying permit, um, which is something I highly recommend that people get. But, you know, it, it was just, it was busy. It was that busy because of that. So I'll never forget this dude walked in, you know, white dude had his uh, firearm on his hip. And I'm like, well, hey, you know, he's got his carrying permit. Probably he can get away with it and he can do it. Mm-hmm. It's part of his rights. Well, in, in Georgia's, um, you do have, you guys got open carry, right? We, we do have open carry, yeah. Yeah. But I, I still feel it comes down to that CWB thing because, yeah, you know, if I were to open carry in like Publix, right? Because I think you can open carry. I think you can open carry in Publix because they don't they don't have a um, a ban against firearms. Okay, good, good. But still, it's just the fact that maybe it's just mental. I don't know. But for me, if I were to walk into a Publix with an open carry firearm. I think they would have certain feelings about it. Just like uh, it's perfectly fine to open carry a, a, what is it, a rifle in Georgia. But Mm -hmm. there was a a black guy that open carried a a rifle. Now granted, he did have other firearms on him, but he open carried uh, a rifle. I think he had a shotgun too, but nonetheless, (laughs) he did it. Yeah, yeah. he he did it in this place called uh, Atlantic Station, which is- um, Okay, I know what it is. Yeah, so you know the the whole makeup of the people yeah. around that area. Yeah, uh, he freaked out. He freaked out somebody that was in the uh, the publics, and <laughs> this man went into the restroom. He set his firearms aside to you know do whatever he had to do. But in the meantime, you know somebody went to the manager and said, "Hey, there's this dude that's carrying this firearm, this this big rifle, or as the media likes called, he's carrying a long gun." I think we need to call the police. Mm-hmm. If I were to do the same thing, I know for a fact that the same situation probably would have happened to me. Now, granted, I would be legal to do so because not only is it number one, uh, legal to open carry the, uh, the rifle with you, but number two, I would have been fine because I have my carrying permit and I've got clean record, whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter, but still nonetheless, I have a clean record, carrying permit, uh, legality to do so. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, that CWB aspect, and and I guess again the way my mindset is set up, there's certain things that I know I definitely wouldn't be able to do. Right, right, right. So right. that's just yeah, yeah. That's that's an unfortunate too that you know, you know, CWB. We have to put up with that, you know. Yeah, and that, I guess that brings me to the next question is uh. What do we need to realize or know about other societies involved in the Second Amendment? What do you think uh, we need to realize? We need, first of all, we're going to be glad that we're not over in like Australia or uh, in the United Kingdom because they don't even have the right to get to bear arms. And in certain cases, you know, they can only carry like a pocket knife, you know? It, it's very rare because you can you can and it's like a minuscule part of the population but you can own firearms over in australia it's just you got to go through oh the, well, yeah, the proper channels and everything but it's, it's not 
and even at that, it can only be a shotgun, from what I understand. I don't know. There's a guy in my group uh, was the Ruger PC Charger group. He's got he's got some rifles, and he's located in Australia. But it's not. Uh, I don't think it's uh, the whole population isn't going to do that. Number one. So it's like you got your one offs, but like you're saying, you know, you are so restricted with what you can carry and what you have to go through in order to carry um, or just own firearms over in those countries to the point where, yeah, if it was applied just like America, um, or rather if it was applied to America, because I can guarantee you that's probably what most people are trying to aim for now, mm -hmm. um, political people, right. then it would be completely different. Gotcha. Um, but but I, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, we don't, some of us don't really realize how well off we are whenever it comes to certain rights that we have. Um, exactly. And that also, you know, that also brings me to the whole thing of uh, racial separation whenever it comes to the Second Amendment. Uh, I think, personally, I think it's one of harm, more so of harm than of help. Because, yeah, okay, granted, you are trying to have the best interests of black, you know, in our case, we are trying to have the best interests of black people involved in the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. But you also have those black people that are like, you know, especially way before 2020. Um, they would look at firearms as uh, some quote-unquote white boy shit, mm -hmm. which I I don't really think is the best mentality to have for any race because look at us now. You know, it, it's almost as bad as saying, you know, oh, that's a white boy shit, and you're listening to some Nirvana or some rock and roll, but here we are now, and we've had multiple bands that have black frontmen mm -hmm. from from Kill Switch Engage to uh, Seven Dust and so many other ones. But it took time for that to happen because that type of music was turned away. I use that to compare it to the Second Amendment now, whereas back then it's like, oh, that's some old country white boy shit, to mm -hmm. us trying to gather up or become more of a part of this, um, this sphere. But we, like you said earlier, we are trying to catch up. We're, we're having to catch up after um, so many generations that have been involved, other, so many generations of other races that have been involved in this, who have trained their children, who have trained their family and so many other people to the point where it's almost as easy as breathing air to them now. Mm -hmm. Whereas we are like, okay, we got to catch up. So what, what do you think about that though? The, the racial separation in the second amendment? I think it's all about um, um, knowing, well, first and foremost, having the fortitude to go out and know your rights, first and foremost. Now, for me, I'm a criminal justice major. So uh, I always want to know what I can and can't do legally, okay? Uh, but Second Amendment probably is not gonna come up to most people's forefront until they really need it, you know? So that's why you don't have a lot of black advocacy, advocacy groups that are verbally out there um, talking about the Second Amendment. I mean, you, you may have uh, a few gun groups here and there, okay, uh, but 
you know, the NAACP never talks about the Second Amendment. Uh-huh. I, I, matter of fact, I don't think I've ever heard them even, if, 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 if I didn't know about the Second Amendment, I definitely never would have known about the Second Amendment through the NAACP. That's true. That's facts. You know, I mean, they are, they are the biggest black, pro-black group, you know, that I'm aware of. So why aren't they? And that was the last right that we were afforded. So why don't we have more black people talking about the Second Amendment? I mean, uh, in, in, in NAACP, you know, I think if we had grassroots organizations such as the NAACP that were willing to go out there and express information uh, or knowledge about the um, Second Amendment, hey, actively pair up with gun clubs or gun gun organizations like um, uh, what's the uh, the black organization? Um, uh, NAGA, the National NAGA, African American Gun Association. I mean, why why is the NAACP teaming up with them? You know, uh, you know, my thing is this. Yeah, we we as black people should know and have more information regarding the Second Amendment, but we're forced to either hear about it from the NRA or uh, GOA or um, UCC, uh, what is it, uh, United States uh, Concealed Carrier Association, Uh, USCCA. Yeah, so. I mean, we should have our own grassroots organizations that we go to or can go to for information regarding the Second Amendment. I I would love to be a part of the NAACP Second Amendment um, if they ever had a Second Amendment type uh, venture uh, to give black folks information on the Second Amendment on what they can and can't do gun instruction, gun safety, gun knowledge, shooting, you know, all of that.